In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Today is the beginning of a period in our church year where we hang out in John chapter 6 for five Sundays. That's right, including today, we will be digging into this one chapter in John for five Sundays. I love it when we really get to dig into the text and see God at work and discover something new about the Savior of the world. So today, we dig into the feeding of the 5,000. Indeed, it's a text that you may have heard a gazillion times throughout your life. And yet, each time we take a closer look, we may see something new, or perhaps we're reminded of something we already knew, but we just need to hear it again. I know we heard the feeding and the walking on water, but for today, because there's about 20 sermons in both of those stories, I'm going to stick with the fishes and the loaves. There are a few important things to note as we dig in. Today, we hear the story. We see the miracle or the sign, as John called them, that took place at the beginning. And then beginning next week, we will hear the narrations of the sign. We'll hear what Jesus has to say, his interpretation of the sign. Interestingly, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that we read in all four Gospels, which I really think speaks to how important it really is. But there's a slight difference in the one we get from John. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples are the ones that feed the hungry people. But in John, it's Jesus himself who feeds the hungry What is John trying to tell us about Jesus in this story of provision and abundance? Do y'all remember Paul Harvey? He always told the best stories. And one time he told about a three-year-old little boy who went to the grocery store with his mama. Before they entered, the mom with certain instructions for this little guy says, now you are not going to get any chocolate chip cookies today, so don't even ask. She put him in the cart and off they went up and down the aisles. He was doing just fine until they got to the cookie aisle. And seeing all those delicious chocolate chip cookies, It was just too much for him. And he said, Mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? Mom said, I told you not to even ask me. You're not getting any. And that's all the end of the story. They continued down the aisle, but in their search for certain items, she had to come back to the cookie aisle. Mom, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? I told you, you cannot have any cookies. You should not have asked me. Now sit down and be quiet. So finally they arrived at the checkout. The little boy sensed that the end was in sight. And this might be his very last chance. So he stood up in his little seat, out of his seat, and he shouted, In the name of Jesus, may I please have some chocolate chip cookies? 
everybody in the checkout line laughed and applauded. So he got his chocolate chip cookies from his mama that day and also from all the shoppers. He ended up with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies that day. Now, if that's not abundance, I'm not sure I know what is. Now, I want you to go on a journey with me this morning from Capernaum to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It was a distance of about four miles. When Jesus set sail and the crowd had been watching with astonishment all the things that he had been doing, it was easy for them to see the direction the boat was taking. The crowd looked from the shore out into the lakeside to see where Jesus was going. So they hurried around around the top of the lake by land. And once the boat docked, Jesus went up to the mountain with his disciples. Now at this point, John reminds us that it was nearly time for the Passover, which means maybe even larger crowds were gathered and probably on the roads at this time. Possibly many were on the way to Jerusalem by that route. When we look down the mountain with Jesus, where he was looking at, we see this large grassy plain thick with green, lush grass. I can feel a bit of that lakeside breeze blowing, and I can smell the earth below their feet. It must have been lunch or possibly even dinner time, or as my granny would say, supper, when Jesus looked up to see the crowd headed his way. I find it kind of funny because I can picture Jesus kind of snickering as he sees them coming and Philip sitting next to him. He says, hey, Philip, where in the world do you think we're going to get all any food, enough food to feed all these people? Philip's answer was pretty much, Jesus, if we put all of our money together for the next six months, we're not going to have enough to feed all these people. And then Andrew the one who is known for bringing people to Jesus, he pipes in as he discovered a little young lad with five barley loaves and two fish. Perhaps the boy had brought them as a picnic lunch. He could have been out for the day and just attached himself to that crowd. It wasn't much. Barley bread was the cheapest of all the bread, It was the bread of the very poor, not to mention the fishes. I read in several commentaries that the fishes would be no bigger than sardines. Sardines. Pickled fish from Galilee were all over the Roman Empire. In those days, fresh fish was an unheard of luxury, for there was no means of transporting it any distance and keep it in an eatable condition. They did not have little stands on the side of the road like the ones that we say that say fresh Mayport shrimp. Small sardine-like fish swarmed the Sea of Galilee. and They were caught and pickled And I can imagine that the little young lad had his little pickled fish to help get the dry barley loaf down. Sounds like a lunch of champions, huh? 
And then Jesus told his disciples, have the people sit down. I imagine him him hollering, the Lord be with you. And everybody looking up at Jesus's way and he says, take a seat. Jesus took the loaves and the fishes and he blessed them. Perhaps the grace that he used was the one that every father used in a Jewish home before a meal. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, who causes to come forth bread from the earth. And then they began distributing it. Can you imagine when it got to like the 50th, the 100th, the 1,000th, the 2,000th, that Stanley shouted from the others, man, this is really the gift that just keeps on giving, isn't it? It goes on and on and on. The text tells us that they had as much as they wanted. They had plenty to eat. Not just enough to sustain them, not just a little morsel or a little bite, but they had plenty from five loaves and two little sardines. They ate until they were satisfied. After all their bellies were full, Jesus had them gather up the leftovers and filled 12 baskets so that each disciple had food to take with him on his journey. It was not unusual for Jewish men to carry their own bottle-shaped basket with them wherever they went. If, if a person was going to observe the Jewish rules of cleanliness and uncleanliness, he needed to carry around his own food. Not only did the people get fed that day, until they were satisfied. The disciples also had enough to take with them on their own journey. It's just incredible. This is not just another miracle. In this story, we find Jesus who is with the people. Jesus fed them. He provided food to fill their bellies. When we take a deeper look, we see that the presence of God was in their midst. Jesus was and is as close to us as the very food we put in our mouth. Jesus not only offered himself in his death, but he also offers himself in his life and in his ministry. We see this throughout his ministry that he was with the people. He gave of himself so much that from time to time, he had to withdraw in order to go be with his father so that he could get filled up again. Jesus's life was one that healed and fed and satisfied. He came to satisfy the unsatisfiable. He is the one that takes our leftover pieces and uses them for continued satisfaction. We can be satisfied because of the love he shows in his life and in his death. I've never been to the Holy Lands. It's definitely on my bucket list, and I sure hope to go someday, and I'm sure many of you have already been. 
I've seen pictures of and read about the fourth century church in Palestine called the Church of the Multiplication, which was erected at the supposed site where Jesus multiplied the fishes and the loaves, and he fed the 5,000. The floor has a mosaic with two fish and four loaves. Why only four loaves, you might ask? Because in this depiction, Jesus represents the fifth loaf, the very one who continues to feed us today, and the very one who will raise us up on the last day. On the day Jesus fed the 5,000, the crowd wanted to force Jesus to be their king. But Jesus withdrew because his kingdom was different than the kingdom that they were looking for. His kingdom is one of love and mercy and forgiveness. His kingdom is one that feeds and sustains our souls. During divinity school, I learned about many of the different early church fathers and mothers. And some of it, probably most of it, I don't remember squat. But one of the things that stuck with me is from Cyril of Jerusalem. He said, when receiving the Eucharist, make your left hand a throne for the right, as for which to receive a king. Today, after we give thanks for the bread and the wine that Jesus has offered us with his life and his death, the one who chose to dwell with us and the one who continues to feed and satisfy us with his word and sacrament. Make your left hand a throne for the right, like you will receive a king. Amen.